This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Wow. So I'm going to kind of, I think I've got kind of a buffet style thing going on here tonight. I mean, there's just, i got so much randomness in here that I'm trying to kind of cover. So have you ever been to like one of those Chinese buffets, not the nice ones, but the cheaper ones where they, you know, you're going along, then you see pizza and you're like, how did that get there? Why do they even have that? But so it's kind of like that tonight. But, uh, but really, um, you know, it's what a unique time to be alive. And I'll just speak from the heart first and then we'll see if we get to this. But if you don't understand yet, do you get it yet that this is the end times? Is that even registering on anybody's radar that it's not a joke. The stuff that we talked about for years, the stuff that we heard about for years, it's real. You know, a couple, I get, well, last, uh, the Sunday before last, I saw a worship leader from up in Northern California. He posted something on Instagram that caught my attention. He showed three pictures. The first one said, uh, 2010, me leading worship illegally in this village in Iraq. And it was a picture of him. And then I was like, oh, wow. Then the next picture said, 2015, me illegally leading worship in North Korea. I got in and led worship there. And then the final picture said, me yesterday illegally leading worship in California, United States. And I was like, whoa, dude. (laughs) And so, you know, and then we take it a step further uh, again this week with where we're at. And so it's it's a it's a very interesting time. And Jesus told us about so much stuff that's going on. And I just encourage all of us, you know, that that. God's with us. God sees everything that's uh, coming down the pike. And, and, and I guess the title of my message tonight, which I'll get to this theme in a little bit, but the title is Facing the Unknown. Because if there's one thing I keep hearing, it's like, man, it's everything's unknown right now. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. There's a lot of unknown right now. I mean, you know, us as parents, all of us parents in the room, uh, we, you know, they're releasing stuff about, okay, well, here's what's going to happen with school. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, yeah, things change every other day. I mean, come on. You know, I, I don't expect that anything you've released right now is going to actually be the same, uh, you know, probably next by Friday. I mean, who knows? Because things keep changing so much right now. But the good thing is there's a lot of unknowns, but there's also a very big known, and that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen? God the Father, they know what's going on. And so, first of all, I wanna, I'm gonna kinda tackle two topics. So, you guys are, you get a buy one, get one free sermon tonight, okay? So the first part is, uh, I'm gonna be giving a quick lesson on biblical civil disobedience. And then I'm going to wrap it up with some encouragement about facing the unknown, okay? Now, a lot of stuff I'm going to share is on a YouTube video that we put out, I think, on May 27th, okay? And so, at that point, we were saying, uh, hey, we're going to open up services on May 31st with or without permission. And then the good news was, like, that day that that we released that video, the, the governor was like, okay, churches can go ahead and open. And we were like, hey, sweet, problem solved. I mean, hey, what do you know? And so, uh, but, but, but everything I said, then I'm going to repeat some of tonight because it applies to us where we're at tonight. And I want to say this, too, and I mean this with all my heart. Uh, I know there's a lot of different... Uh, 
out of areas uh, right now that they it's been difficult in 2020 for healthcare workers who would say that i mean i don't i tip my hat to them it's been difficult for probably the military for police for first responders of all kinds there's been a lot of difficulties and i'm not saying this for me and dad's sake or my family but it's been a strange and difficult year for pastors everywhere too because you've got to realize and and i'm so blessed we are so blessed at this church that you serious i'm not just saying that you guys are so awesome but you don't realize that no matter what decision you make, everybody's got an opinion on it. If you say, well, we're going to close down, then you're a sissy and don't have faith. If you say we're going to open, then you're a rebel. And, and, and so, you know, you, what we've, what a, real pastors have had to decide is this well there's no way i can possibly please everybody so let's just get back to pleasing god and then everyone else can fall in line and they can either come or they can't come and you know whatever but if god's happy then you know i'm happy so um but i don't judge as far as i know you know none of this is going online so i have a little more liberty tonight which is kind of nice but as far as i know none i don't know for sure any other churches in town that are staying open and i'm not judging any of them they need to do what god's telling them to do a pastor last night that's one of the bigger churches in town called me crying on the phone and i'm like okay what's up and he's like i don't know what to do what are you guys doing and and i just i don't i don't know what to do and i'm like you've been in ministry like 30 years longer than me you've probably been in ministry longer than i am old and you're and and you know i'm like what what are you coming i i don't feel qualified to but you know, hey, we're doing what we got to do, and I don't judge you guys for if you need to shut the doors, but don't judge us for doing what we feel God's calling us to do. And and so it's just an interesting time. I'm not going to call any other church a sissy or faithless if they feel they need to do that. Praise God. But don't get on to us for uh kind of putting our actions where our words have been for a very long time. And so, amen. And so, um, you know, where we're at, uh, it's, I guess it's time to just kind of start seeing, have we just talked about it all these years or we actually believe this stuff that we've been talking about all these years? There's this old saying that we've used, I've heard it my whole life, and maybe some of you have heard it a long time. If being a Christian were an outlaw, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If loving God were a crime, would you be an outlaw? And I've always heard Christians cheerfully yell, yes, of course, would be, yay. And I'm like, well, it's kind of getting down to that because, <laughs> hey, we're, you know, technically breaking the law right now just by going to church in the United States of America. But praise God. Uh, I'm going to give you some stuff here. So before I ramble on, this is a quick lesson on biblical civil disobedience because, and just, I'm going to probably just throw a lot of verses on the screen, write, take notes, whatever. But here's the first thing. Romans 13, 1 through 3. I'll be moving fast, so try to keep up with me. Romans 13, 1 through 3. Because when it comes down to it, uh, there's I see two sides of the ditch on obedience to government. I see a lot of... I think people that are crazy and like, you know, they think the government's all bad, nothing but bad, so help me God, and uh, they want to, you know, anarchy and revolution. Like, well, 
Romans 13, 1 through 3, it says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. Amen. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. So any time that I'm driving 70 on the 15, I'm not really that afraid of getting pulled over. Now, I will not wrap myself out too much, but there have been times that I've gone well over 70 miles per hour. Jacob shaking his head because he had to follow me a couple weeks ago. So, uh, you know, hey, there have been times that I've gone over that. And yes, at those moments, fear strikes my heart because I deserve punishment because I'm disobeying the law, right? So... Are we supposed to always obey the government? The answer is absolutely yes. Unless what they're telling me to do directly contradicts the Bible. Then I answer to a higher law. So, telling me to wear a mask to Walmart, I could sit there and throw a hissy fit and cry and look foolish and say, that's stupid. Just, you know what I mean? I don't want to wear a mask in the Mojave Desert when it's 140 degrees, but I'm doing it anyway because that there's nothing in the Bible that goes against that. Telling me to keep six feet away. I mean, hey, I, I've turned into more of a hugger over the years because of you fine people. But you know what? Hey, there's nothing in the Bible that says that I, I'm okay. I can obey that. There's plenty of things that I don't like, but I'll still obey Because it doesn't go against the Bible, and I'm commanded to obey the rulers over me. So, you know what? Whatever. I don't like paying for plastic bags. I don't like, there's a lot of stuff I don't like doing in California, but I do it anyway, because it does not go against the Bible. Telling me that I cannot go to church and sing praises to God... When I'm told to make a joyful noise, when I'm told to sing, when I'm told to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, I can't, I gotta sing at church. I have to. Right? And then of course telling me that I straight up can't go to church, you know, we've been as compliant as we can. We are not rebels, I am not somebody that wants to end up on the KCAL 9 news, okay? And it's not gonna happen, but, Hebrews 10.25 says, do not forsake the assembly of the saints. And this was our theme verse last year. It says, and the Living Bible puts it this way, let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do, but rather encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his drawing, coming back is drawing near. And so Hebrews 10.25, New Testament, commands me to actually go to church. And so... For us, where we're at, I, my governor and, and whoever tells me this, but then God tells me this and they don't line up, who do I follow? At that point, I follow God and the Bible. And it's not to be a disrespectful little snot. It's not anything at all. I, you guys know, we aren't like that. But I answer to someone higher. Okay? And so, um, anyway, uh, there's two schools of thought on this. And, you know, there's ones that say, oh, No, you have to obey the government no matter what, every single thing they do. Well, there's going to come a point in time, guys, and I'll show you this, where there's going to be a government, a one world government, according to Revelation 14. And there's going to be a leader that tells me I have to get a mark on my right hand and on my forehead, and I'm not allowed to buy or sell anything at all unless I have this mark of the beast. What do I do then? 
Well, you got to obey because you have to obey every single thing they say. No matter what, you have to obey or you're, or, or you're, or... where does it end? Right? So that day will come. Now, I'm not going to be here for that. Those of you in this room, I know you're not going to be here for that. But if you don't have the guts to stand up to some unbiblical, unlawful things right now, I do not believe for one minute that you'll stand up to the Antichrist. I don't. I mean, it would take a big burst of backbone and and stuff within you that anyway, that's down the road. So there are. Now, here's where you can start taking notes, okay? There are several biblical examples of civil disobedience we'll look at. I'm probably going to move quick here. I just pulled out seven different examples where people in the Bible were told to do something wrong by their government, but they disobeyed it, and God was not only not angry, he was happy with them for doing it. And so, anyway, example number one is this. The Hebrew midwives, and just write this down, or you could take pictures on, on of the screen if you need to. I'm just asking that you don't post it on Facebook and tag me in it, okay? Come on, somebody. <laughs> so, Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 17 says this. I'm moving fast, all right? So, write it down, or you can look on the screen. But here's what happened. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Puah, when you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, Watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. So if I have to obey, no matter what they say, then right here, if I'm a nurse or a midwife, I am told that any Hebrew male child that's born, you have to kill that child because, well, his reasoning was the Hebrews were multiplying quickly and they were going to overtake us Egyptians. We couldn't have that. And so... If it's a girl, let her live. If it's a boy, kill him immediately upon birth. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. And so they directly disobeyed a government command that they were given because it was evil. Did they get punished? No. Verse 20, again, just I'm moving quick. So God was good to the midwives. And the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. So there you go. God wasn't mad. God was glad for this. Example number two, Rahab the prostitute. What? God used a, God used this harlot, this prostitute in the Bible to do something really, really big. And so, uh, Joshua chapter 2, 15 through 16, but basically, uh, the, the leader said, hey, uh, there's these spies, the Israelites, capture them, whatever, but nobody can help these guys out, don't aid them at all. And she knew these are people of God, so she helped them. And this is Joshua 2, 15 and 16. It says, then since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the windows. So she not only hid them in her house for a while, then she snuck them out of town. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then when they have returned, you can go on your way. And so did she get in trouble? No. When the walls of Jericho fell, she was the only family that got spared. The only family that God was happy with out of that whole thing was a prostitute's family. And he rescued them and saved them and everyone else died. Why? Because she stood up for what was right. In that instance, I'm sure there were some other minor adjustments that could have been made to her lifestyle. But that was a good start right there. Amen. All right. A third one is a man named Obadiah. 
a man named Obadiah. And so here in 1 Kings 18, this is talking briefly about a man named Obadiah. It says he feared the Lord greatly. 1 Kings chapter 18. And uh, he hid a bunch of prophets when Jezebel was trying to kill them. And and so there was this order, Jezebel, you know, she's the queen and King Ahab. They're the guys in charge. And so there's an order. We got to kill and round up all the prophets. But no, this guy hid them. And so it says this right here. First Kings 18, four. Again, I know I'm moving fast. Once when Jezebel had tried to kill all the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had hidden a hundred of them in two caves. He put 50 prophets in each cave and supplied them with food and water. There it is. Disobedience. Was God angry for this happening? No, God was glad. Okay, my, my next example, this is my favorite. It's Daniel and the boys. The boys. Did I, who did I, oh, I skipped Jonathan. Okay, uh, I, apparently I skipped Jonathan. You guys saw that on the screen. And so Jonathan's own dad tried to kill him. He made an order that, hey, nobody's allowed to eat any food until this battle's over. Well, I've never been in battle, but I know that you can't fight for days and weeks at a time with zero food. You eventually need some nourishment. And so what a stupid thing to say. But his own son, Jonathan, ate some food. And so he's like, ah, off with his head. Well, the men stood up for Jonathan and disobeyed the king, Jonathan's dad. And God blessed that, okay? So the next one down here after Jonathan and then Obadiah is Daniel and the boys. And who I'm talking about is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there's several instances of them. I'm going to get to them in a little bit. But Daniel 3 and Daniel 6, if you're taking notes. Daniel 3 is the story of the fiery furnace and uh, and they're like, hey, everybody has to bow down. No exceptions. This egomania. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar was a crazy guy anyway. He's the king. And he says, you've got to bow down to my statue. And they're like, uh, no, we're not going to do it. He's like, fine, we'll just throw you into the fire. And so, of course, God rescued them, which I'm going to go to that in a little bit. Daniel chapter 6. And here's what, this is one I relate to a lot, okay? The king makes a decree you can't pray to anybody anymore. You can't pray to God anymore. You can only pray to the king. And so Daniel 6, it talks about, and I feel we're, in a, a, we're not right there totally, but I identify with Daniel here. Here's what it says Daniel did. He hears the new law, and he's like, well, oh well. It says he goes home and does exactly what he always did. He prayed with his windows opened towards Jerusalem three times a day. He didn't do any more. He didn't do any less. He just did what he had always done. And I believe that's where we're at as High Desert Word Center. I'm not going out there trying to, you know, wave the flag and do anything extra. And I'm not going to do anything less. We're just worshiping God and living the American dream like we always have, right? You know what I mean? We're not trying to be outlaws. and We're just doing what we've always done, just like Daniel did. If God says to do more, then fine, we'll do more. If he were to say do less, we would do less. But we're just doing what we've always done. All right? And then my next example is Peter and John in the New Testament. And so they get commanded, never again use the name of Jesus. Because they're, I mean, they're the crippled People are getting healed. They're, they're healing people. They're casting the devil out of people. They're doing these miracles in the name of Jesus. And so the rulers are like, you got to stop this nonsense. Quit it. 
You guys are making a show of yourselves. And so they're commanded not to speak in the name of Jesus. The first time they get a warning. The second time they get put in jail. And then an angel breaks them out. The third time they get the living tar beat out of them. And so they're like, well, what are you guys going to do now? Acts 5.29. This is a verse that I believe every Christian in America needs to stand up for right now. Acts 5.29. The guys say, never again use the name of Jesus. It says this, verse 29. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Now, again, I'm not saying we won't obey human authority. I'm all for that. I'm a very extremely compliant person. But if it comes down to God versus even my own government and leaders, I choose God every single time. Well, aren't you afraid of what might happen? I'm afraid of what might happen if I disobey God. I'm more afraid of disobeying God than I am disobeying anybody else. You know, well, what about the consequence? I don't, you know, we've determined, and again, I don't want to sound like extreme. I don't believe a single thing is going to happen to us, all right? I mean, the sheriff has already said a month ago that I'm not churches, I'm not enforcing any of that. So I feel extremely confident. But you know what? I'm willing to take one for the team. I would, I'd go to jail for Jesus. I've said it all the, I never thought we'd actually have the chance to actually prove that, but here we are. And so, but yeah, absolutely. I would go to jail for Jesus. He went to the cross for me, right? You know, I don't want to end up on that Barstow Police Facebook page, you know, my mugshot. But I, I noticed some of the guys still have their mask on, so I would be that guy. I'd stop my mask on. But anyway, I don't want to end up on there and everybody, you know, laughing at me. But but still, I, I'm willing to do anything for Jesus, okay? And if if that meant that, then praise God, I would do it. You know what I mean? I'm not afraid. Um, and the last example I want to give, my, I guess this is my seventh one, I've lost count, but is of the Antichrist in Revelation. And so to catch you up real quick... Really, really quick. (laughs) There will come a time when we as Christians hear this loud trumpet. We see Jesus in the air. He takes us to heaven. This is called the rapture. As soon as we're gone, seven years of tribulation, the worst, most terrible stuff the earth has ever seen is going to take place. Things are going to be so chaotic, people are going to say, we we just need a leader. We just need somebody. Well, there's going to be a really nice guy rise up. Then it's going to seem like, Finally, someone that can give us hope. Somebody that, that knows what they're talking about. Everyone's going to put their trust in this really nice, eloquent, well-polished, probably handsome, nice, got-it-together leader. And in fact, it'll come to the point, things are so bad that they just all go in together. And let's just make this guy like the president of the whole world type of thing. And then this guy's going to turn on everybody and become a maniac. This guy's called the Antichrist. I'm really putting this in layman's terms, all right? This isn't my most theological discourse, but but that's what's going to happen. And it's going to get so bad that he's going to have this thing called the Mark of the Beast, where the book of Revelation right here, chapter 13, even talks about it. And then uh, the next couple of chapters do too. In fact, well, let's just look at it. Revelation 13, 16. This guy, it says, he required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, 
which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. And his number is six, six, six. And and so he's going to make it that way. And then the book of Revelation goes on to say anybody that crosses that line and receives his mark, it is over you. That is you are you're going to die and you are not going to go to heaven. you. There's no more chance after that. That's some scary stuff right there. But again, but you got to always obey everything you're told, even if it goes against the Bible. Well, if you can't stand up for some stuff right now, don't tell me when they say you've got to get this. I mean, think about that. You can't go and buy bread, cereal for your kids. You can't go. I mean, they can shut your water off. All the, I'm not even I'm not even being far fetched. All right. I know this sounds like movie conspiracy. This is not far fetched. But imagine your only option is to flee to the mountains somewhere and get your own water source and survive up there till it's all over. I mean, unless you've got some Bear grill skills, you better get some backbone and learn how to stand up for some things. Because if you can't stand up for even the most minor Christian things right now, are you a Christian? Oh, me? I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, we go to church, but I don't know. If you're embarrassed about Jesus now, don't fool yourself and think that you'll stand up under this pressure You'll fold like a cheap house of cards and say, no, we need milk. We need bread. We need, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. And so I hate to say that, but that's kind of, a re- that's more of a reality than it was July of 2019. There's a lot of things that are a lot more of a reality in July of 2020 that were not even on my radar in January of 2020. I was like, hey, 2020, new year, new me, let's go, 2020 vision, woo, let's do this. And then it's like, man, all sorts of stuff sort of, the world fell apart really, really quickly. But praise God, Jesus didn't fall apart, did he? Amen? And so those, those are to me seven, eight, nine, ten, however many things I gave you there, biblical rights that I have to sing and worship God. But then there's also this one other minor thing, and this is my secondary reason for going to church, no matter what people say. And it's called the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. Now, you know, I, I, I take the Bible, this is, comes before the Constitution, okay? But second place, I am also a proud American citizen. I'm just going to be real. I've been to Russia. I've been down to Mexico. I've been to Nicaragua. Uh, I've been to different countries and I love them and I love their people. But I'm really, really glad that I am a United States citizen. It's even now it's a pretty great place to live. And one of the first thing. OK, so I this is my first allegiance, but I also have allegiance to this. And this is think of it. The First Amendment, this could have been way down the list, the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, and I think I got this on the screen, all right? Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Well, what does that mean in layman's terms? Okay, break it down. Is this, let me, there's not going to be a national denomination, okay? Because, you know, people are like, do you believe in separation of church and state? I do to this point where I don't want them to say, well, the national denomination for you in the United States is the official church is the Baptist church. I love Baptists, nothing against them. But in England, they made the Anglican church, the church of England. You had to go there whether you wanted to or not. And so we come over here to America and say, you can believe in Jesus any way you want to. 
and we're not going to make an official denomination and, and everybody has to be Baptist or everybody has to be Catholic or everybody has to be Methodist. So in that, to that extent, I'm grateful that I can be spirit filled non-denominational, Pentecostal, whatever, you know, whatever in the world we are, charismatic, word of faith, call us whatever you want to call us, just don't call us late for dinner, right? Come on. All right, so listen, but we get to choose the church that we want to go to. The government can't tell me which church I have to go to. That's what that means, okay? And so Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. I have a free constitutional right to practice my religion or my faith and my religion, my faith, my Bible tells me to assemble with other Christians at a church. Hebrews 10.25. Or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. Look at this. Or the right of the people peaceably to assemble. What do we do? We assemble. Usually it's peacefully. Every now and then some of the kids act up. But other than that, we're pretty peaceful people, right? I saw one of them over there at the corner of my eye crawling like this a minute ago. I'm like, hey, that's that's cool. So anyway, but, you know, it's wild, man. And so it tells us that that they aren't allowed to make laws against this or to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, you've got this American nationalism and, and, and all this stuff. And, and you're not supposed to cling to that. Guess what? Paul was a Roman citizen, and buddy, he clung to his citizenship because it got him out of a whole bunch of scrapes. Really, really quick, Acts 22. I gotta get into sermon number two here in just like about, uh, about two minutes, okay? So, stick with me. But Acts 22, so whenever somebody says, you know, well, clinging to, you, you don't, don't cling to your rights as an American, I mean, come on. Paul, used his Rome card many times. He had no trouble doing that. And so Acts chapter 22, Paul has got himself in a pickle here. They've arrested him. They are getting ready to beat the living daylights out of him. And what does he do? He's like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm a citizen of Rome. I'm not just some dude. And they're like, what? So here we go. Acts 22, verse 24, it says... The commander brought Paul inside and ordered him lashed with whips to make him confess his crime. The great crime of preaching about Jesus. Oh, and so he wanted to find out why the crowd had become so furious when they tied when they tied Paul down to lash him. Paul said to the officer standing there, is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, what are you doing? This man's a Roman citizen. That would be like if you were in some crazy third world country, they're getting ready to beat you. You guys sure you want to beat up an American citizen right now? Because uh, you're going to have to answer. There's there's several hundred million of us back there that are going to have my back. At least that's how it should be and how I like to think it is. But anyway, that's another story. So. Anyway, he he says, well, are you sure you, ought to, you, you want to beat a Roman citizen? And so and so this uh, verse 27. So the commander went over and asked Paul, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am. Paul replied. Can you just see the change in his voice? Why, yes, I am a citizen of Rome. Absolutely. I am, too, the commander muttered, and it cost me plenty. Paul answered, but I'm a citizen by birth because it was such 
a good thing to be a citizen of Rome, people paid a lot of money to get Roman citizenship. They paid thousands of dollars, so to speak, to get a, a citizenship in Rome. And Paul's like, that's cute. You paid for yours. I was actually born there. I'm an actual citizen of Rome by birth. So the soldiers who were about to interrogate Paul quickly withdrew when they heard that he was a Roman citizen. That's a good idea. Very good idea on their part. And the commander was frightened because he had ordered him bound and whipped. And so I'm just going to bring that part into a landing. But there's nothing wrong with saying the Bible tells me to do this. And the Constitution of the United States says that they can't stop me from doing this. They can they can make the laws, but they're actually that's they don't have the right to do that. So anyway, um, did did that all make sense? That was a lot of stuff right there. That was a whole lot of stuff. Amen. Okay. So anyway, let me get into this, and this is facing the unknown. I'm going to take about five minutes here because if there's one thing I know right now, it's that there's a lot of unknowns. Everybody get that? I mean, one thing that I've noticed is the experts. And I, I mean, every day, if I pull up in the news, the experts now say this, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wait a minute, let me flip back. Because last week they said this. I, and I, I, I believe right now, okay, that there's a lot of good experts out there. They're not bad people, but clearly they aren't experts because they keep being wrong. You know, seriously, like, no, you can't touch this and, and, and because you know, the, that's the worst thing. And then, like, I, a month later, actually, no, we were wrong. You can't spread it that way. Sorry, guys, my bad. And then the next week, whatever you do, don't do this. And then the next week, you have to make sure that you actually do what we just said not to do. The experts say it. The experts agree. Everybody, the experts, they all agree on this. And I'm like, who is, who are these stinking experts? I'm not making fun, and I know they're trying. I don't doubt that at all. They are trying, but clearly, if you have to keep changing your mind on something, you clearly are not an expert on it, right? And so, anyway, I'm not making fun of that, but that's the absolute truth. So, I found out there's only one expert right now, and that's God. Think about this. The Titanic was built by experts. The Ark was built by an amateur. Crazy old preacher. Which one stayed afloat? (laughs) <laughs> right? If I was going with the experts on everything, I would have been on the tight. But, and everybody, nobody wanted to go with the amateur boat maker, the old man out there building a boat in his yard. But guess what? His actually stayed afloat. So I'd rather get on God's boat than the experts boat any day. And again, you know, hey, I believe in, I'll, I'll wear a mask all distance. I'll, I'll use sanitizer. But public service announcement from Pastor Dave. I went into Walmart today, and I see this big pump of hand sanitizer, and I'm like, me and Ellie. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, why not? Let's do this. I squirt it all over my hand. I rub it together, and I'm like, what is that foul puke smell? And I've got a mask on. I lift up the mask and smell it. I'm like, my gosh! That was the worst smelling junk I've ever... It was awful, dude. So do yourself a favor, bring your own bottle or wait, no, don't do that. But whatever you're going to, but that stuff smells to high heaven. I even told the pharmacist, I was getting a, a prescription for my mother. And I'm like, man, that stuff stinks. The pharmacist lifted his mask. He's like, I know, don't ever use that stuff. That is foul. <laughs> and he's an expert, so I trust him. That's He went to school for a long time, but bring your own. But I am never using that junk again. I mean... 
I think I still smell. It was awful. All right. So facing the unknown, Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to bring the plane in for a landing here quickly. Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. So here we are. And in fact, if you'll tune into Facebook tomorrow night at 7, you'll see uh, this little portion of the message on there. I pre-recorded it. And then for some reason, Facebook wouldn't let us put it on tonight. I have no idea why, but it'll air tomorrow night at seven. If you just want to catch this all over again, just the second part, message number two, not, not, not message number one. They didn't get the buy one, get one free coupon that you guys got. So, uh, Daniel three. So Nebuchadnezzar, who's crazy and wild anyway, he says, Hey, I've got this great idea. How about I build this giant statue that's 90 feet tall and nine feet wide? I'm going to hire a band, and every time that they start playing, whatever you're doing, you drop it, and you bow down like this to, to my statue. How's that sound? And everyone's like, yes, your majesty. Even the Hebrew people that were there, even the people of Judah that were there, they were, okay, fine, we'll go along with it. We don't want any trouble. And so uh, anybody that disobeys gets thrown into the furnace. And so the music plays. You know, they start playing the song, whatever it is they're playing. Everybody hits the ground, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's quite obvious when there's a thousand people on the ground and you're just standing there like this. Well, what's going on? And so they bring the three boys up there and they're like, hey, what, what's the deal? We couldn't help but notice that you didn't bow down to the music. I'm sure it's a mistake. Let's try this again. I'm getting a little, you know, you know I'm, I'm storytelling right now. but it's <laughs> And so well, let's try this again. And they're like, no, we're not going to bow down. And so look what happens. Daniel 3, 16 through 18, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. They weren't being disrespectful. They were like, shut up, punk. Shut up, fool. We're not going to do it. No, they're like, your majesty. Love you, but we can't do it. They were respectful, but they were disobedient. And so verse 18, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Man, I love that. Now, they use this phrase, even if God doesn't, you know, get us a ticket out of the fire, we'll never do it. Now, some people read that and they're like, oh, oh, see, they had a little bit of doubt in there. I don't see that as doubt at all. You kidding me? These guys, they had all the backbone you could ever get. They said, hey, even if God doesn't stop the fire, even if we do go into it, we will never, ever bow down. And I'm like, boom, I'm I'm with that. Okay, you know, either either God stops the flame or you do go into the flame, but he brings you through the flame. Isaiah said it this way. He said, when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. I'll be with you. You, Even if you walk through the fire, the flames will not consume you. So sometimes God puts the fire out before you go into it. Sometimes you go right through the fire. Either way, I come through singing and praising Jesus. And it doesn't matter because God was on my side the whole time, right? Amen. And so 
I'm going to share, this is the most important thing I'll say all night. So if you've been bored, this is for you. Or if you've thought, well, this has been decent or mediocre, then just listen. You're going to love this right here, okay? And so I got this from Andrew Womack. I've been reading a book of his. But he put it this way in regards to this story. He said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't let what they did not know shake their confidence in what they did know. Because everyone's like, I don't, what's gonna, I don't know what's going to happen with school. I don't know what's going to happen with my job. There's so many unknowns. Don't let what you don't know shake your confidence in what you do know. I don't know what's going to happen. They're going to change the rules probably by Friday. They're going to tell us by Saturday that, no, you can't. Whatever. Who know, Who cares, all right? But I'm not going to let all the unknowns stop me from the one thing I do know. I don't know a whole lot, but I do know this, that Jesus Christ is on my side. Well, that's arrogant. That's not arrogant. That's the truth. Romans 8. Let's look at a few verses here. Romans 8. Romans 8. Great chapter. Great chapter. Romans 8. I used to have this little pocket Gideon's New Testament before we had smartphones with uh, the app on it, right? And so, anyway, where I worked, you weren't even allowed to take your cell phone in anyway because I worked at FedEx at the airport, and you were not allowed to bring your phone to work, which I think would probably be a great idea because I can't go to a 7-Eleven and get any help anymore because they're all on their phones. Anyway, so, uh, but we weren't allowed to even bring them in there. And so, I, if, if there was downtime, I would just pull out my Bible, man, and I'd sit there reading my Bible. And I was always reading Romans chapter 8 because there's so much awesomeness in there. Romans 8, verse 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Amen? And so my mom's going to give me a whooping if I don't throw this part in there because she always does. This is referring to prayer, okay? And so who in here is a person of prayer? I am, and I'm not afraid to admit it. So this applies to me, okay? And so I pray in the Spirit, and because of that, God will cause all things to work together for my good. I'm not afraid. God's going to cause it to work together for my good. What about verse 31? Romans 8, verse 31. Now we're giving you the gravy, man. This is the good stuff right here. Romans 8, verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Right? Is God for us? Oh, God's for us. God is, he's so much for us that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. That's being for you. That's God's for us. Amen. And so here we go. Verses 37 through 39. I'm wrapping it up right here, but I'm talking about facing the unknown. Well, I'm not afraid of the unknown because there's a lot I don't know, but I know one thing that God's on my side and God loves me and he's going to bring me through it. So look at these last Three verses right here. Romans 8, verse 37. It's talking about, well, what if a bunch of bad stuff happens? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Or we say, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. That's the King James Version. We are more than conquerors. I like this right here. Overwhelming victory. Amen. And so, uh, verse 38. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death, nor life, nor COVID. And I'm just saying, okay, I I hesitate to say this, but I say this in the very most respectful way possible. This is total respect. I see some born-again Christians, even people I know locally that are, they're, they're, they're terrified 
shaking in their boots of catching the disease. And, and I'm not making fun. I, I'm praying for them. But I'm like, what is, even if, uh, even if I did catch it, even if I did, uh, I go to heaven in the end, man. I mean, I'm, I'm not making, I don't want anybody to catch it. I know it's bad. It's awful. I don't wish that on anybody. But I am not going to live my life curl up in a ball in my closet, shaking with fear at the possibility of getting this, when the very worst case thing you can do to David's samples is send him to heaven. That's the worst that can happen to me? I mean, I don't want to die, and I'm not going to, and I don't want anybody to die and get the disease. But as a Christian, be safe, be smart. But seriously, the the very worst thing that could happen is we go to heaven in the end. I don't want anybody to get it. Please don't ever misinterpret what I'm saying right there. I respect and I love everybody. I'm not making light of it. But I'm not going to live my life staying awake at night. I mean, I know one guy that's like petrified out of his wits. Terrified. Terrified of it. And he's a very strong, I, I mean, he's one of the manliest men I've ever met in my life. And then, and then now, I mean, he barely leave the house or anything. And I'm like, my gosh, this is, I mean, I feel so terrible for the guy. Awful. And I, I'm not making fun at all. But I'm like, man, knowing that ugh, heaven awaits me, if, if nothing else, heaven awaits me. So, again, please don't twist that. Don't add to that. Don't take away from it. I'm just saying I'm not going to live in hell on earth down here when I've got heaven awaiting me anyway someday. All right. And so I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. And so God's with us. God's for us. If there was ever a good time to obey God and stick close to him, Christian, listen now. Don't backslide now. Now, you're here on a Wednesday night when for one of the first times in the history of the nation, it's illegal to be here. You are some very radicalized people. OK, you're 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 radical as your rebel. I'm preaching to the choir. But listen right now. Don't you dare backslide from Jesus right now. I mean, I wish more people could hear this message, but we're not releasing this one. But don't you dare cool off. Don't you dare back off. We don't know what's going to happen next. I have no idea. The trumpet could sound tomorrow morning, and I don't want to be caught doing something stupid when that trumpet sounds. I want to be right under the shadow of the Almighty. Christians, take Jesus more seriously today than you've ever taken him in your entire lives. And if things start to let up a little bit and it's getting easy, don't backslide. Stick with Jesus. We've got to do this, guys. We have got to stick close to Jesus because the day is coming when he's drawing back. All right. I'm going to kind of end right there. That was a wild just mix of all sorts of stuff. So I pray that you are blessed and ministered to tonight. Um,
I'm going to remind you as we close out that we will be here Sunday morning, okay? 10 o'clock. We're not out. I'm not putting a banner out there. I'm not putting a spotlight on us. We're not trying to draw the attention of the world. We're not hiding either. But we're just going to do like Daniel did and do what we've always done. Just worship our God as God-fearing Americans together. I mean, we're not doing anything more than that, not doing anything less than that. We're just simply doing what we do. We're Christians, right? And please don't judge anybody in their churches. I know most of the most of the churches in town are going to shut down. I've talked to a lot of guys, and that's fine. I don't judge them. I don't blame them one bit. they got to do what they got to do. Just don't judge us or blame us for doing what we got to do. Amen? Right? That's how I feel. So, anyway... Love you guys. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.